Good morning, hello, and welcome to Adam vs. the Man. Happy Friday! It's October 16th, 2020. You made it! You made it! It's Friday. But you also made it, for those of you who have been listening closely to this point in Adam vs. the Man, where this weekend we are massively stepping up our game, we are getting a studio office building delivered here in Gardenia. Now, I know it's fun. I guess I've been, I've been sitting next to... Victoria Ray's signature on screen here every day that we've been broadcasting from the Freedom Wagon. Hopefully this is the last day. Hopefully this is it. We are scheduled for delivery of the building at noon today, so we got to end on time at 11. No Adam rambling for an extra 20, 30, whatever minutes today. And uh, we got to finalize our site prep. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of dirt distribution, raking, tamping to do. Uh, but man, this is exciting. This is really, really exciting for, for me. I mean, personally, they have another, boom, another building just uh, appears out of thin air here at, okay, well, it, technically it's driven here by a truck that I have to guide into the location, but uh, out of the blue. Okay, well, actually, we've been waiting for 10 weeks because it's been delayed and delayed and delayed. But no, here it is. Another building to appear fully formed. At uh, in, in Gardenia, very excited. Of course, we got to build out the interior. That's what we're going to be doing this weekend: putting in uh, flooring, insulation, uh, drywall, and then so on top of the drywall, we're just going to um, adhesive spray and put studio foam on top of that. Really excited to have this and have a dedicated studio office space. And you know what? It, it's not just oh yeah, things things are going. We're developing the show, and you know people are supporting us on uh, merch and Patreon, and yeah. No, like, this is a really big deal for me personally right now. And it, it's, uh, you, you know, we've been talking about censorship a lot. We got it. We got an interesting censorship block here, uh, for today's show that surprisingly, I, I think doesn't involve Adam versus the man at all. We've got like other censorship stories in the news, big stuff to talk about, but. For me, personally, it, it means a lot uh, because, you know, like Ernie Hancock says, nothing on the Internet is real. Uh, you know, when when the numbers are so disappointing sometimes because of the censorship and the shadow banning, um, when, when we're constantly, I don't want to say struggling, um, but we are putting in, you know, a certain conscientiousness and effort to to beat the censorship to 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 work around it uh to, to create a compelling enough product that, that people uh find it and seek it out and demand it and and recognize the importance of this message and and uh, every time I, I will insert the humility caveat here it's it's really about the message it's not about me there, there are probably uh, dozens of libertarians who are producing daily news content products who are able to give you a, a perspective on the mainstream conversation and, and on the world and current events uh, that, that is based on the same understanding that I bring to this show and, and our team brings to this show and is directly challenging in a radical way the current authoritarian power structure we are all living with 
I don't like to say under because I don't I don't want to I don't want to give them that right. But there are uh, I, I'd like to think that what we're able to do as a team here with Adam versus the Man is is providing a, a unique product and and the commitment of the Producers Club and the people behind the show our our core team. Uh, you know, really means a lot to me. And, and now seeing it manifest with this physical building, it's like, yeah, there are people who care about this show. You know, I'm a tactile kind of guy. My uh, my love language is physical touch. So I need, I need to physically touch Adam versus the man. I need to touch this building, the Freedom Factory. And, uh, yeah, we're calling the building the Freedom Factory. If anybody wants to sponsor it directly, you still can. Although, I don't know, maybe you want to wait until you see it here in place, in action. Um, but, yeah, so we got we to gotta build out, you know, the floor, the walls, uh, an attic area. There's, there's an, uh, an overhang over a porch built into this building that's going to be uh, a little loft bedroom for, uh, for an intern or a guest, maybe. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening with this, this weekend. If, if you can be here, it's not too late. If you... If you can be here this weekend, you probably already have my number. You can text me. Uh, you can send me an email. I'll be checking my email, adam at thefreedomline.com. We're going to be doing Cigars and Sunsets tonight with Peter Yeagle. Peter is coming over, uh, hopefully. I mean, the plan is buildings here roughly noon, noonish, one. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're done getting in place even by two. We have time to run to Flagstaff and, and Home Depot and back uh, by 530. And uh, to be here for Cigars and Sunsets, maybe we won't promote it or announce it tonight just to be safe. But CJ should be joining us for his very first time with a cigar. Excuse me. So we got a big pile of news today. We got some promos, of course, as always. But I want to start with the contest. And uh, we got Jim, comment Jim Freedom. Unfortunately, he's had to spend a lot of time in Phoenix lately instead of being up here at the Garden where we love having him. But he is coming up right now as we speak. He might be listening to me on his phone as he's driving his, his van up from Phoenix to Gardenia to be here to help with our uh, our final site prep and to uh, to get this building in place and, and built out over the weekend. Very, very exciting. Uh, so Mercedes is filling in. Comment Mercedes Damrotowski or comment Mercedes Freedom this morning. Uh, welcome, Mercedes. So Mercedes, I, I have I have a, a new kind of contest today, and I, I'd like I, I hope this works because if this works, this is this is going to be our Friday tradition. We're going to play a game called "What Did Adam Miss?" Oh God, that sounds great. <laughs> right? Well, no, I mean this is I mean I, this is, like you and me are like ah! and it's like oh my God, what kind of nerds are we? We're like yeah, we're journalism nerds. We're jur- well, that's what we we're libertarian journalism nerds like this is this is what did adam miss this week and it could be either in analysis or in fact you know is there some story that i didn't cover by the way i mean we we do have a bunch of you got to give me credit for what i'm going to do today we got we got a lot of good stuff today uh we've got uh we've got trump's campaign updates we've got uh we've got a little financial block of course we've got a huge covid block as promised like since tuesday about and Mercedes, we might, might bring you back on for comments yeah, on this. this is, yeah. It's about getting COVID multiple times, right? Yeah. And, and Mercedes has some experience with this. We've got um, – what else do we have? Uh, oh, so we have a censorship block, like I said. So we got three big news blocks, and then we got a, a, a nice, fun grab bag of stories, um, some updates on stories we've been covering. 
And and so this is a, a definitely a subjective contest. Um, what did Adam miss? What did Adam miss? Best or most important insight that Adam missed? And you can call in. Um, you can you can join by video or just audio, as always. And uh, you get bonus points if if you actually call in. You're you're going to be more likely to win this one today. Uh, yeah, but if you, you call, tell us to our face what we missed. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, but we got comments too. So Mercedes is going to be watching comments. If, if you have something that Adam missed, um, and and you, we might have, we could, you could win with a comment. It's got to be really. It's got to be a clear winner. It's got to be like a, the best, most important thing that I missed. So uh, Mercedes, are you are you all plugged in? Can you get can you pull comments up? Yeah, on, I can. On, on right, yeah, right now this morning, I'm a status says uh, good morning, fellow status right away. Carson says, Adam, I wish you would be our president for 2020. I know, I agree. That's that's a hard one, but well, it it uh, it's fun. Like I and I I've said from the beginning, I'm I'm very excited to support Joe Jorgensen. Uh, well, since she won the nomination, but I've also said since the beginning of my campaign that if the result of of my run is that we get, I I, I think back then it was well, I, I said. I don't know who I was using as an example, but, you know, I, if we get, um, uh, you know, a, a, a Jacob Hornberger instead of a Bill Weld, and the, the, <laughs> result, the result of me running is that we have a principled message representing our party in 2020, that's enough. But, you know, there's not, like, I, I don't know, that. I, mean, I think this is kind of a typical thing if you run for office, I, I hope. Um, I'm not taking too much of an ego boost out of this, but I, I've been seeing on Twitter, like, almost every day, man, Koka should have been the nominee this year. And, I, I, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not, I'm not going to try to play silly political ego games, but there are a lot of people going, man, the Libertarian Party could have offered America we could just get rid of the entire federal government. <laughs> that could have been our offer this was this a good year. year to promote liberty from our standpoint. The government gave us everything we needed to go, hey, guys, uh, this is not. Oh, okay, there's a new comment, and I'm going to put it up because I enjoy this one. Adam versus the town hall. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, well, I'm committed uh, to keep running on this platform as long as it's relevant and support keeps building, as long as the federal government exists and people support me personally offering the opportunity to <laughs> localize, dissolve the federal government with, with you know, I'm the, the plan. I'm that, you want me to get you coffee? Yeah. <laughs> you got someone bringing you coffee <laughs> while doing the show? To, I'm jealous. I've got... Good tug of iced tea. I needed hot cocoa, and I have my lovely assistant, Matthew, who is my my better half, and he really puts up with me a lot, and I don't know how he does it, so. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the kid. Um, (laughs) We already have something you might have missed. Anyway, that was not appropriate. I hope nobody else heard that. Goodbye, husband. Close the door. Matthew, close the door! <laughs> so, uh, already have a, 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 did you miss this week that anti-2A Trump attacked the LCC honey badger? 
an attack on the AR pistol. You know, I, I, I have a little bit of an apology, I suppose, to, to, to offer for the audience because, uh, Mr. Status, I did see your email about that, and I didn't get to it. Uh, I didn't get to it in time for today's show. Uh, I didn't get to the one laptop per child update. Uh, as, as I said, we get to earlier in the week. I've got a, I've got a bunch of like, I've got, I've got these tabs pulled up. <laughs> How I prep for the show. If I couldn't do multiple tabs in Firefox, like the show wouldn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I have, so I have like tabs upon tabs upon tabs, and you know, I'm, I'm a tabaholic internet user. Same. Um, My browsing history and the tabs I have open every morning <laughs> slow my computer down so much. And I've, I've got, I've got, I've never told anybody. I got like a tr- triple monitor system with a, with a boom speaker and all the gaming stuff. It's it's a battle station just like our internet warlord. So, but other than that, there are no more comments that are coming in. I think everybody's still sleeping this morning. Yeah, right. I, all right. I well, that, other than that, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll also we'll also be designing. Hopefully, my my desk, my command center in the Freedom Factory. Oh, like. I, I, as I was saying, the last thing about that, I'll probably say more about it during the show. But the last thing I want to say about it now is that if – no, yeah, see, there's two things. Yep. It's, it's called the Freedom Factory, but we need a sign for the door that says Gardenia Ministry of Propaganda. That's oh, the yeah. unofficial official building title. But the studios, they and, and, and we're going to be – if you want to sponsor this building, um, it's it's financed. Uh, it costs three hundred and twenty-four dollars or so per month, and if you want to sponsor the building itself, you can name the studios, and we'll announce it every single day on the show. This is Adam versus the Man coming to you live from the John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt Studios here in Gardenia. Uh, however, whatever you want to call it, it's all yours. So uh, let's let's get well. Anyway, Mercedes, let's uh, let's do our promos, knock these out, and and Mercedes is going to be keeping an eye on the comments. We will get the. Uh, the link out, there's a link to call into the show, and we'll put that everywhere we're broadcasting in the comments, uh, either either Mercedes or, or CJ. There it is. It just got dropped in the, all the comment sections. All right. There so we're going to click on the link, come backstage. You can call in with your answer. Maybe Adam will like it. And then uh, all rainbows and butterflies from there. So right now, Will is technically leading the contest with the only – Excuse me, Mr. Status, the only actual Adam missed this comment so far. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was okay. I mean, legit, but barely a point, because we did mention it on the air, and we are going to get into it. Um, but, but I'm looking for, like, what analysis, like, what really important thing in current events did Adam miss? And, again, subjective, so points for being funny, points for calling in. And at the end of the show, Mercedes and I will be like, eh, this guy or that guy or her. Whatever. We'll, that, we'll that the situation and see where we're at at the end. Of right. The show. Um, but we're giving away membership to the Adam versus the Man Producers Club. Yeah. And, and the, can you find us? Sorry. The, sorry. The best part about the Producers Club, we were talking about it this morning, is that you get in the club. We give you a link to backstage every day before the show. And CJ and Matt and I just talk back there all morning. Like this morning, we were talking about the Adam Smasher because there's a weird noise coming from CJ's bathroom now. There's a theory that the gravity has been displaced. So if you click to subscribe, you get to come back and hear all of our conversations before the show. You're on the same level. You hang out. You're supporting us doing what we love, what you love. 
I mean, you're part of the show if you're in the producers club. The only reason why I'm on screen right now is because I was in the producers club. So yeah, you could be me. Yeah, no, this it's been so much fun building this as as a way to 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 pull in volunteers and money and energy and make I the can. show better. This is where we. I mean, half the links I've got pulled up are people sending me stuff and and actually having just. That you know, we've got about thirty people, you know, who who are actively reading the news every day and sending me important links. And it's not just the producers club. I have a lot of other friends who are like, Adam, you got to cover this. Adam, you got to cover this. But that gives me, you know, a lot more confidence in the uh, the coverage that we're capable of here. Excuse me, and that we're we're not really missing much. You can't can't get that by ad versus the man in our audience. No, not at all. Please, I started taking. By the way, I I gotta tell you, Mercedes. I know it's not Mental Health Monday. Little mental health revelation for me here. While CJ shows off the amazing products at the store at AdamVersusTheMan.com. Uh, you know when you know I I kind of been in denial about how this this thing is affecting me. And, and and at one point, my wife actually said, Samantha, she came to me and said, Adam, I'm tired of pretending like this corona bullshit isn't affecting us. Yeah, it came to the point where it affected every single person in the entire world in lifetime. Uh, yeah. And, 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 yeah, Matthew was, Matthew was the same way. He would deny it, too. But what we need to realize is that as soon as we recognize and admit that it is affecting us, that's when we get to move forward and do what we need to do so it stops impacting us yeah. in a negative way. Unless you're truly detached from the rest of society, this is going to affect you. This, is, this has been affecting you. And, you know, I describe it as like it's a dark cloud over the whole world. That's obviously a metaphor. But what is that dark cloud made up of? It's not just the virus itself. It's the government response. It's the attitude shift. It's the turn to drugs and alcohol or alcohol and other drugs. It's mm-hmm. the uh, increase in suicide. It's the increase in domestic uh, abuse and violence and uh, you know, child abuse and, and, and all of these things that are just, I mean, I, I hate to sound like a hippie because there's no way to other, other way to sound. It's, it's bringing everybody down, man. You know, like, yeah, there's there's no way to avoid this. And I actually, you know, I really let my self-care go over the last, like, couple months where I was just I... like, you know, and that that was, that was uh, you know, and I started to see how it was affecting a lot of other things in my life, my relationships, my, my ability to do this show. And so just a few days ago, I started taking my vitamins again. And that's like, that's, that's the, if I'm taking my vitamins every day and I'm a, I'm a bit of a vitamin junkie. Um, I think I've talked about this on the show where like, I have, I have a, a box, like a, like a big Amazon box that I save and stuffed with all of my, I have, you know, like, I think I'm, I take a ton of stuff in, in very low doses. Maybe someday we'll do like Adam's class on vitamins. Um, all right. Oh, and hey, there's uh, there's CJ promoting Make Them Debate. He's like, Adam, shut up. Enough about your vitamins. Make them debate.com. Yeah, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Mercedes is our debate manager. And, and I um, don't have to set these up. You can set these up. If you want Adam to debate someone, you can make him debate. It's very, very easy. It's very, very fun. 
I like listening to Adam debate. Yeah, get involved. It's it's pretty yeah. cool. Make them debate.com. Check it out. But uh, the, CJ, the reason as he he just wants to go through promos. Now he's got the cigar factory oh, out there. Cigar, <laughs> Cigarfederation.com. Yep, join us for cigars and sunsets tonight okay. at five thirty. And promo code Adam ten A D A M one zero all caps gets you ten percent off your order at cigarfederation.com. But I got the reason I brought up the vitamins and the self care and all that wasn't just because I wanted to make a you know say something nice and positive and encourage people to be aware of their own self care and give them that reminder. I was actually saying it as an excuse for burping during the show because like I have all these vitamins in my tummy right now. I take like I have these trays. I have trays. I do a month of vitamins at a time, and I lay them. I, this is how I – I don't sit there for 10 minutes every morning going, well, I'll have one of these, and I'll have one of these, and I'll have one of these. Like, no, no, no. I lay them all out, and it takes like an hour once a month, and then I can just pill pop like a handful of pills twice, and I'm only, I only take pills twice a day. My guy likes – some vitamins are like, take two and a half pills five and a half times a day. To, you know, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to take one twice a day, low dose. I <laughs> so uh, that's why, like, my stomach is still getting used to waking up every morning and putting a ton of pills in there. Um, all right, so that's – I think that's – is that all of our promo? It's, <laughs> I think that we is everything. all of them. Uh, sorry, Matthew got a government job and with uh, – he what? outside of the home, okay. and he's looking for his government papers so that he can take him to the government job so that they can tax him – Money is for the job that he's doing, and uh, we don't know where they're at right now, so he's popping in and out. Hey, hey, yeah, you better help the government steal from you or they'll lock you up. All right. Taxation is theft, and that's all I'm going to say today. On to you. All right. <laughs> Jumping right into it, our top story today comes from Axios.com. Scoop Trump's advisors race for loss, point fingers. Now, I've said before, like, I'm not going to try to to call this race between uh, Trump and and Biden and and Jorgensen. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, optimistic that at the last second Jorgensen is going to pull out a breakthrough. But I know that uh, while everybody else has been looking at these polls and saying, oh, Biden's ahead like 10 plus points. That's crazy. You know, like that there's no chance that Trump could win. I, I, I. I've I've been hesitant to to even weigh in on that, but with this story, I think we might have a better indicator, perhaps. Now, and and again, even if this if you you could you could read a story like this, and it could all be I don't want to say lies or false, but a, a, a misrepresentation, right? You know that. Uh, there's someone with an interest in making it look like Trump's team thinks he's going to lose now. And if that's the case, it's just another piece of propaganda. So let's have fun jumping into it and saying if we can learn anything about the actual state of the election, which is now just a few short weeks away. So three senior Trump advisors who recently talked to campaign manager Bill Stepien walked away believing he thinks they will lose. The big picture, the Trump campaign is filled with internal blaming and pre-spinning of a potential loss, accelerating a dire mood that's driven by a daily barrage of 
bleak headlines, campaign and White House officials tell me, quote, one advisor said, a lot of this is the president himself. You can't heal a patient who doesn't want to take the diagnosis. Now, this has been a hallmark of, of Trump's leadership, quote-unquote, style, uh, and that there are always people on his team who are unable to see through his mood swings and messaging flip-flopping and, and you know, sort of loose relationship with the truth. This is nothing new. Behind the scenes, in weekly pep talks, talks Stepien tells staff members why they shouldn't pay attention to the perennially horrible public polls and how they can win the week and the campaign. And then bullet points, but in other private conversations described by multiple sources, Stepien can seem darkly pessimistic. He likens the campaign to an airplane flying through turbulence, saying it's our job to safely land the plane. And that, that, that isn't, I mean, you think about everybody involved, the reputations, the momentum. It's an interesting metaphor, uh, safely land the plane. Like, we just, this is like, uh, you know, uh, we want to lose with dignity. You know, I'm thinking about, like, Vietnam and Nixon. Um, you know, peace through victory. And it's like, well, uh, you can't win an occupation. You can't win a war crime. And I, I have to wonder if Trump is actually anticipating losing. And, and he's probably not dedicating a lot of time or brain space to pondering this. But now we know why he never locked up Hillary. Right? Remember this? What, what, what was Trump elected on? Well, like three things. Build the wall, drain the swamp, lock her up. Brilliant messaging. Small words, just short phrases, stick in the mind. Now, build the wall. Um, you didn't really do that. No, not, 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 and, and be, Trump supporters who are true maggotards in denial will try to point to the miles of wall that have been built, even, and, and, and ignore the fact that a lot of them were built places there already were wall features or that there were there was no actual practical necessity and that it's really only a very of, of the total border between us and mexico the total length of it only only a tiny tiny percent uh has been covered during the trump administration drain the swamp i, I, <laughs> I don't i don't think sorry i almost like gave myself a spit taker more of a snot take yeah, drain the swamp. Does, does anybody, is anybody so delusional as to think that Trump has done anything uh, meaningful to, to drain the swamp, to, to challenge the deep state? Uh, you know, I will give him credit for calling it out, but even then I can't really give him credit because it's just sort of good, obvious, populist messaging. You know, drain the swamp. But calling out the deep state, calling attention to that, because uh, there were a lot of people before Trump's candidacy who never talked about it, never thought about it, or were just generally unaware of it, but they had a kind of 
deeper awareness in the back of their minds, like, yeah, there's a big, powerful bureaucracy there for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people running the show who are behind the scenes. Yeah, there's a, there's a major uh, you know, bureaucratic entrenchment and momentum to the federal government. And Trump, you know, I mean, for choosing to, uh, to include that in his populist messaging has brought a lot of attention to that. But uh, in terms of policy, meaningful action, draining the swamp, no way, not even close. So, but here, the thing, lock her up. You know, this was, this is not a new theme. You know, it's sort of like uh, there's precedent for this. And you don't have to go back very far. Remember President George W. Bush? Remember the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan? Remember the lies about weapons of mass destruction? Remember all the talk during the Obama campaign? Oh, yes, he's, oh, yeah, he's committed war crimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. We have to, oh, yes, we absolutely have to hold, hold him accountable. Now, when Obama talked about it, Obama was not, I mean, one other thing, I got to just hand it to Trump. He has gotten the American public to generally accept this kind of loose relationship with the truth. And I've called this out before. I do think it is, it is actually a step backwards with Trump in terms of uh, a standard of, of, intellectual integrity and truthiness that there's this there's this acceptance that uh well you say things that are roughly true and you know and i I get it you know and i get it as a pundit there are a lot of times that i want to just spout off and you know reach into my catalog of facts and "Ah, it's not exact but yeah just throw this out there but you know i don't do it when i don't know what i'm saying when i don't have the specific reverence because i have that intellectual integrity that Trump obviously lacks and promoting that lower standard of intellectual integrity is, is not, it's not not good. It's not good for America. Uh, But lock her up. You know, he actually came out and said, lock her up. And you know, the Obama campaign never said, we're going to lock up W. Oh, never mind. You know what it was with Obama? We're going to close Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. The illegal detention center in, in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Over and over again, we, and nope, still open, still open. Uh, Donald Trump, lock her up. Why is Hillary Clinton not locked up? Why is Hillary Clinton, why, you know, because the super class protects each other. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, you, you want to go back? Let's go back. Okay, oh, wait, wait, let me finish talking about uh, Obama and, and W. Remember, when people, and, and people, people, people actually, put Obama on the spot after he got elected. He was asked point blank, do you intend to pursue criminal charges against George W. or war crimes in Iraq? And how it was actually asked, you know, or, or, or who, I, I don't remember. But I remember Obama's response because I remember making fun of him for it and calling him out. He says, we're not looking backwards, we're looking forward. Really? Really? Could you say that about every fellow cannabis consumer in America, President Obama? No, no, no. Well, for, oh, for you, for poor people, for you, you common petty citizens, we're looking backward and we're going to hold you accountable and we're going to we're going to make every excuse viable or pretend that it's viable to lock you up and rip you off and take advantage of you through the legal system. 
But W, oh no, no, George W, war crimes? Dick Cheney, war crimes? No, no. No, I think uh, we're going to look forwards instead of backwards. But going back, one more example. Nixon. Carter. Uh, I guess it was um, when when Nixon resigned and was replaced by Gerald Ford. There was a huge push to prosecute Nixon. And he said no. That's just how this works. But I... I, I Trump, I, I'm like, uh, hmm. I wonder if he's going to get thrown under the bus here. I wonder. I, I mean, I kind of doubt it. But perhaps, perhaps financially. Although his brand is worth, you know, even as an ex-president, even if he if he, if he loses, right, uh, to Biden, his brand is finally worth what he said it was. Now, you know, all, for all of his lies of exaggeration about his own wealth and value like yeah so anyway back to the story like does his team think he's gonna lose now um three sources who have heard stepping use variations of the airplane analogy say they sensed he was deeply perhaps irretrievably pessimistic about the state of the race as one source said quote it's not a great feeling when you get the sense the campaign manager doesn't deep down think we're going to win Stepien pushed back strongly on that, telling me on Friday morning, quote, with each day closer to November 3rd, our campaign data presents a clear pathway to 270 for the president that provides me more confidence than ever in President Trump's re-election. Our campaign knows how President Trump was elected in 2016. And more importantly, we know exactly how he's going to do it again. But they won't tell you because at this point, now, there was another headline today from Drudge I didn't cover because I didn't bring up because I, I don't think it's – I think it definitely falls into this category of uh, of just propaganda. Uh, there, there was a story that said uh, Trump supporters disappointed he wasn't more humbled or woke by his experience with corona. And – I go, in the story, like, there's, there's no survey, statistics, studies, or, or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's very subjective, and there's a lot of that. There's so much just, oh, yeah, CJ's got it pulled up. There, it pulled up already. There it is. Even some supporters, this is LA Times, even some supporters are disappointed that COVID-19 bout didn't humble Trump. And right away, I'm like, this was not written by an unbiased source. Trump supporters, I mean, just think about it for a second. They're disappointed that it didn't make Trump humble. Is that why Trump supporters love him so much? Because he's so gosh darn humble? (laughs) No, no, I don't think so. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of mainstream media that I'm just ignoring right now uh, about the election. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on things, but uh, this this story, like how it matters, you know, um, why? And this here, here, I'll right here from the Axio story, why it matters. 
Trump can still win, but make no mistake, even his most loyal supporters, including including those paid to believe, keep telling us he's toast and could bring Republican control of the Senate down with him. Between the lines, Stepien's critics say he is in CYA mode, refusing to make tough decisions that might incur Trump's wrath while setting up excuses for what polls suggest could be a shellacking by Joe Biden. Now, I mean, if I wasn't, a, you know, an honest, ethical person, uh, especially in a libertarian sense, I would love this job of being Trump's campaign manager. But holy shit, wouldn't it be scary? You're fired. No, but there's there's... It, you you get on the Trump bus, pretty good odds you're going to get thrown under it eventually. And you know there a lot, you know there's there, there's a lot more to this story. Um, and by the way, another little Corona update or, or, or campaign update rather election update. Um, a Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, uh, aide has tested positive for coronavirus. And if you, if you scroll down, it's actually right there underneath this one in, in, on the Axios website. Harris pauses campaign travel after aide tests positive for coronavirus. Which term are they using now? Um, yeah. Uh, Biden says campaign raised $383 million in September. Um, this is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot going on right now, but whether, you know, who's going to win? It's still, it's still impossible to call this one. And, you know, with this, so, you know, my, here's my final judgment on this, this Axios story, scoop Trump's advisors, grace for loss, point fingers. Uh, I, I think they're, they're kind of grasping at something here, uh, not quite getting a hold of it. I don't think, I mean, you hear where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Is there fire here? Is there, are, are there, you know, rats jumping ship from the Trump train? Eh, that's that's kind of normal with the turnover, with, with people getting thrown under the bus. So, nope. Now, Kanye West, as we covered earlier earlier this week, still could be Trump's ace in the hole. Uh, that that he is able to just at the last, like really, American voters are so prone to manipulation. Kanye West is on the ballot in enough states that uh, he could pull an, enough votes from Biden at the last second to throw those electoral votes towards Trump. And um, I mean, I'm I'm I would, I'm betting that that uh, in the next couple of weeks we're going to see something from from Kanye uh, and Trump, something some some national publicity stunt, or or you know, and it might be happening behind the scenes that in those states people are uh, are promoting Kanye. And the other thing is that most Americans who are voting for Biden are not doing so enthusiastically. And if at the last second you're able to get a message to them, hey, your state's going to go blue anyway, might as well vote Kanye as a protest vote. But they could convince enough people to, to flip that way. So uh, it looks like Trump is down, certainly not out. I know he'd rather be up 10 points and riding this populist wave to victory. But He's just another politician with slightly different tactics, with, uh, 
you know, the, the veneer of being an outsider when he's been an insider in the sense uh, of being a favored member of the super class the whole time. Uh, for all the crimes that he has committed, and there are plenty, uh, and, and I don't mean to say that he's special this way. Uh, you know, I, I, every president, in, at least of the modern era, commits countless crimes. I mean, the average American commits three felonies a day. Like, there's a book by that title. If you doubt me, look it up. Three felonies a day. Uh, so is Trump, you know, did he do anything so bad uh, for the establishment or or that's, that's sort of undeniably bad that the opposition party has, or the fake opposition party, right, has to, you know, hold them accountable to, to maintain their credibility? No. Uh, if Trump loses... He's going to enjoy his golden years. He's going to ride off into the sunset. He's going to have uh, plenty of, of paid speaking opportunities. And he's going, to have, uh, he's going to have a lot of fun with the rest of his life one way or another. But I, I, I can't call it. Still can't call it. I, can, I, I don't know if the Kanye gambit or if some other ace he's got up his sleeve is going to work. So just beware of the last minute manipulation. I, I suppose I don't have to tell my audience that because I know you're all principled, forward-looking people who are going to be voting for Libertarian Joe Jorgensen anyway. All right, if we don't have any callers, I don't see it. By the way, I am watching the Producers Club chat during the show. You can actually, like, if you join the Producers Club, if you are, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if you uh, join us on Patreon for $10 a month and you're here in, in Telegram, you can actually talk. Oh, hey, there's CJ. We have a caller. Let's go to caller number one today. I guess we're not counting numbers. We're going for the contest of our the best answer to what did Adam miss this week. So let's get our caller up here. What do we have? Who do we have, CJ? Welcome. Hi, how are you? Excellent. How are you? Good, good. My name is Mike. I, I, I only just started watching your uh, program, actually, through CJ. I usually have uh, infrequently, uh, a few times I have uh, been on his show. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, i just uh, just looking to make new friends, and uh, I'm a new libertarian. I wasn't independent. Um, learning a lot. Uh, let you know a little bit about me. I'm a retired New York City policeman, and uh, I... Uh, I'm a New Yorker, and uh, I hear I hear it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you, all your people don't talk right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you live now, Mike? You still in New York? Uh yeah. Unfortunately, I'm on Long Island. Uh, I, at least I, you know well enough to say, unfortunately. <laughs> I, live, I, live in, I live in the most corrupt county in uh, in America, Suffolk County, New York. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, how you know you know like I said, uh, CJ is my pathway to you and. Uh, I've been in the the family rights movement, and uh, I had a thing called Smash Parental Alienation. I've been through the ringer, and um, uh, I've had a lot of success. You know, I was separated and kept from my kids, and uh, I have a relationship with them now because of my fights in in the system. Um, I learned more about uh, due process post-NYPD than I ever did as a cop. Uh, And, uh, um, uh, yeah, who's that CJ? He's got my, that's my, uh, that's my thing, Smash Parental Alienation. He still has it. That's, that's nice. 
Yes, sir. Good to see you, Mike. Glad you were able to click on and and uh, tell Adam what he missed, though. If, uh, if there's anything he's missing perspective-wise, Mike. Hold on. Before we get to that, Mike, I, I want to ask you a question. There's a big, bigger question here, CJ, you know, because I, I, I ask people when I tour all over the country, I mean, to the point that it's gotten old, how did you become a libertarian? But I want to hear it in Mike's story. You go from being a cop in New York City to experiencing parental alienation to being an independent. Were, were you with a party before that, or did you identify as liberal or conservative? And, and what what finally gave you the, the, the confidence to make that leap to identifying as a libertarian? I don't believe in government at all. And how did, well, how did you – what's the process it's, it's, uh, yeah, screwed Obviously, me over. you didn't believe that when you it's, were a cop. It screwed me over. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. You know, um, we do what we have to do when we're younger. I'm, I'm 58 now, and I needed a job. My father was a, a, a policeman. I took the test. I didn't do very well on the test, and I still became a cop. And, <laughs> um, and, and I swore to myself when I was a young policeman that I would try to do the best I can to help people. And um, you learn very quickly, very, very quickly, that um, uh, government is just really screwed up. You know, uh, I, you know, my, my, my theory right now in my life is, is that, you know, and, and you know, you're talking about the election and all this stuff. And but the criteria for me now when I when I vote is uh, you can't be a, is you can't be a career politician and you can't be a member of the bar. Mm. Because, uh, the member of the bar thing is really big with me because I believe they're the root of all evil in this country. And, uh, <laughs> you know, behind every every politician, there's hundreds of lawyers, you know. No, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't say this. Don't say that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, our system has been polluted with legalese. And, um, you know, I learned this firsthand uh, trying to fight for my civil rights to be a dad or have my kids have a father. You know, and um, and I and I had to do it uh, after firing attorneys and going pro per. I say pro per. Everybody says no, it's pro se. No, it's pro mm-hmm. per for me because uh, I'm not an attorney. I don't represent myself as an attorney. I'm I'm a man. Mm. I go before court. I'm I'm a man. End of story. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but I've been ridiculed and and uh, I've had to threaten judges <laughs> subtly, and you know, basically telling them like you know. You know, anything happens to my kids because my ex took them to Florida without saying anything to me against my stipulation. I'm going to come after people lawfully, of course. But, uh, you know, that type of stuff. And um, I'm in a good place now. I got, I have my sons back in my life. I started a business with my, my 18-year-old. Now he's 18. Finished high school. So, and, and we didn't see each other for a long time on and off. What's the business? Uh, I'm, we're uh, mobile car detailing. Nice. It's basically for him. I started it for him because he has a passion for cars and uh, he wants to be an entrepreneur. So I had to spark that for him. And uh, it, it's a great it, mobile car detailing is is not only it, it's a great hustle. It's not it's not you're not going to be a billionaire doing that, but for an 18 year old to have that opportunity and to work under the table, I hope, and not pay taxes as much as possible. And you know, to connect with people and to network, I think that's a great opportunity that you're providing. Well, and, and I'm doing, and I'm talking to you now because I need to make new friends. Uh, CJ knows I, I left a group that I belong to here in Long Island called Americans for Legal Reform, 
they're allegedly the biggest uh, legal reform movement in the country. And uh, something happened recently that uh, I had to separate myself from them. And um, I need to make new friends in this uh, freedom movement. I, I am, I know a lot about the income tax. Uh, I am a Royal Freedom Package member of Freedom Law School. I'm pay my motorhede. Yes, yes, I know payment. It's been a while. I, I, I got to speak at one of their conferences in California, oh, geez, years ago. Yeah, he's, he's, he's now in Florida. And uh, so I've learned a lot. I've studied a lot. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking maybe to contribute some knowledge that I have or maybe, uh, you know, uh, be an active part of uh, trying to change what's, uh, what's happening to this country because it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. So have, have you had a chance to connect with uh, our friend Chris Cole with Victims of Family Law? Uh, we uh, uh, CJ hooked us up on his program. Yeah, Jackson. I know them all. I I, I marched with him down in, in Washington D.C. and um, I've changed my views about you know protests and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, there really nothing's going to happen in this country until the individual person decides to stand up and say I ain't doing this no more and right. you know and uh, especially when it comes to our court system because it's so uh, do as I say or else alright so Mike I just got two quick questions for you to wrap this up what do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean <sighs> I don't know Hananka uh, <laughs> well you're supposed to say a good start I'm supposed to say Wrong. It's an underwater Atlantis-themed legal convention, obviously. All right. And that being said, Mike, what did I miss this week? You got you got anything uh, journalistic for uh, me today? I, I, you know, I, I really haven't. I've only watched two programs so far, you know, and uh, I wasn't really aware of your program, but I'm glad I, I, I found it. And uh, I really can't say. I just think that, uh, you know, uh, um, our system is just so screwed up. And, uh, you know, and you just have to, if I'm worried, I just, I, I just found out I had to file for it. I'm worried about the, my voting because I just had to, to ask for an absentee ballot because I'm going in for surgery at the end of the month. And, uh, um, I just found out yesterday and, uh, I, I uh, maybe that's the way I am, but I have, a, I, have a, I have a brain leak. I got, I got this thing called CSF. Uh, CSF. I got uh, brain flu coming out of my ear. And I was told by a neurologist I have a brain hernia. Can you imagine that? <laughs> a brain hernia. Yeah, wow. New new term. Um, well, best of luck with that, Mike. Um, appreciate it. Uh, I'll be out of commission for uh, at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, crazy about people going into my head, but that's what they have to do. And, uh, All right, well, let me give you a chance here to contribute to uh, to our journalism effort today. What do you think is the most underreported story in the world right now? Yeah, it's, that's pretty simple for me. You know, the, the largest financial crime committed against the American people in the early 20th century, and that's the, the, uh, the stealing of our money through the income tax because it uh, doesn't apply to us, and the only people who are really required to do it are foreigners. Well know. said. Yeah, and, no, uh, that's – all right, that's yeah. even a perfect setup for our next block. Thank you so much for the call, Mike. Thank you. And, uh, and, and right now, I think, I think with a great call like this, you're in the lead for our contest today. But let's get to our financial block here. Uh, this is because, as, as you know, Mike said, 
you know, the, the, the biggest underreported story in the world is, you know, how we're getting ripped off by the income tax. And, you know, I would, I would, I, I, I would only disagree slightly in the sense that the biggest underreported story in the world today, like right now, is that Corona is being used as an excuse to rip us off, to serve the purpose of government, to keep the super rich getting richer and the rest of us getting relatively poorer. Excuse me. So we start our financial block. This story from Axios.com again. Axios headline, exclusive, America's true unemployment rate. A person who is looking for a full-time job that pays a living wage but who can't find one is unemployed. If you accept that definition, the true unemployment rate in the United States is a stunning 26.1%, according to an important new data set shared exclusively with Axios on HBO. Uh, why it matters, the official unemployment rate is artificially depressed by excluding people who might be earning only a few dollars a week. It also excludes anybody who has stopped looking for work or is discouraged by a lack of jobs or by the demands of child care during the coronavirus crisis. So, yeah, this is, this is something that, you know, as a libertarian, I've been talking about this for years, for years, that, this, that the unemployment rate is a, a political number. It's not an economics number. It's not a real measurement. It's constantly manipulated. And the two big things here, and, and, and to see it in this story, it's like it's really cool to have it in black and white. But just to make it clear, if you give up looking for work, they no longer count you as unemployed. What the fuck? Like, in, 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 you say, like, wh why are you telling me this number then? Like, what is the significance of this number then? It's a political football. They can throw back and forth and say, oh, look, we did this to unemployment or that's unemployment or to justify whatever policy they want to. And the other thing is that if you're – making a, a couple of a few dollars a week they can take they can say oh well we're not going to count you as unemployed uh we can say you're, you're underemployed and now you're in the politically forgotten category now again I, I have to give a little background on this just to make my position clear i don't buy into this mainstream political duopoly bullshit of the goal should be 100 percent unemployment by the way that's one of the legal mandates of the Federal Reserve System to, you know, maximize employment. And you go, well, why do we want to maximize employment? Well, so that people can pay the income tax. And it's not even the biggest mechanism of ripping people off. It's, it's, it's part of the, the overall theft and manipulation. But the inflation tax, all the other hidden fees, fines, taxes, and costs of government have it so that today – the average working American is working for government over half the year. And for a lot of poor people, as we covered yesterday with this really stunning story, the marginal tax rates for the poorest fifth of Americans are 70% roughly when you, and it depends state by state, but when you account, when you account for the benefits that you lose and what that, you know, as you make more money, what that means is, you know, if, if, if you're, uh, well, but first, basic premise here. If the government gives you a thousand dollars unemployment for not working or, or whatever, you know, welfare and, and you get, you know, a thousand dollars a month and you can you can live off that and work under the table or 
you can go get a job and and be and work forty hours a week and make two thousand dollars a month, but your your end of the day take home pay is only a thousand. You're essentially working for free. Your 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 income goes up zero, but now you're working, right? You go, oh yeah, we're incentivizing not working, but it's even worse when that person who's unemployed qualifies for housing benefits and health care benefits and who knows what other subsidies and all these other things. And as soon as you get a job and start making money, now you're, you're disqualified from those benefits. So you might end up even effectively making less because now you have all these extra expenses, not just, you know, you're making 2000 working for government. Now you're, you're taking home a thousand. Well, if you are now disqualified from a government benefit that was say worth $300 a month, now you're only making $700 when you were making a thousand for sitting on your butt. So this unemployment rate <clears throat> is based on the presumption that we should have, that everybody should have a job. And I'm not trying to deny that there's an ideal of engagement for humanity that we all want to be productive. We all want to feel like we're contributing members of society. We all want to earn our way and pull our weight. But this concept of employment and the goal of 100% employment is not the right way of looking at things economically. And if you, if you just step back and you go, well, we want to maximize quality of life. We want to maximize personal wealth. Uh, we want to maximize the amount of goods and services that are available to every human being on earth. Like that's, that's the goal of economic analysis to make economics better, more effective, more efficient to serve people. And then you go, well, employment is like a means to an end in, in our current system. It's not a very good one. The real goal shouldn't be a hundred percent employment, but a hundred percent retirement. And I don't mean retirement like, you know, stop working or stop being engaged with, with the rest of the world. But especially in 2020, if the wealth of generations had not been so stolen from us by government, if we didn't have these grossly unnatural concentrations of wealth and power in the world, the average human being on earth would be wealthy enough that work would essentially be optional. And I, even in very poor poor countries because they don't have enough U.S. dollars. The idea that, you know, you're, you would uh, you would have a family home or a farm, that it would be passed on, that you would have that stability, that the economy would naturally support people in, in a much better way without this intervention. I, I mean, it's, it's really obvious to anybody studying economics from uh, a, a perspective that at least sees past this uh, this propaganda. So back to the story. If you measure uh, the unemployed as anybody over 16 years old who isn't earning a living wage, the r rate rises even further to 54.6% for black Americans, 59.2%. The backstory, the official definition of unemployment can be traced back to the 1870s when a Massachusetts statistician named Carol Wright diagnosed what he referred to as industrial hypochondria. By restricting the unemployed label to men who really want employment, right managed to minimize the unemployment figure. Oh, and make things sound good for politicians. Wright went on to found the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and he brought his unemployment definition with him to the state. To be officially counted as unemployed, you need to be earning no money at all 
and you need to be actively looking for work. So what this means is that the unemployment rate is actually not a measure of how many people are unemployed. It is a rate. It actually functions as a uh, more in line with the terminology, even though less in line with reality and how it's being used. But it is a rate at which people are becoming unemployed, not an actual current measurement of unemployment. So right now, this is especially important because we are still in an an employment crisis because of the coronavirus lockdowns and shutdowns. So how is this relating to current history by the numbers in January when the official rate of employment was 3.6%, the true rate was seven times greater, 23.4. That's according to new calculations from the Ludwig Institute for Shared Economic Prosperity, uh, as founded by Gene Ludwig, a former U.S. comptroller of the currency. As he says, I was shocked. That's a quarter of the population that want work, that can't uh, can't earn a living wage. The recession made everything worse. Only 46.1% of white Americans over the age of 16 and a mere 40.8% of black Americans now have a full-time paying job more than $20,000 per year. The bottom line, the unemployment catastrophe in America is not new. It's been at crisis levels for decades, but it's been hidden behind the official numbers. Ludwig's hope is that his new data will light a fire under Congress to address this national emergency. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got data. You've got facts, and you're going to present them to Congress, and that's going to, that's going to, it's going to reach their, their, their yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to respond to that. <laughs> okay. This is not a national emergency. This is a national victimization. This is uh, the, the measurement of how badly we are being screwed by the, the current power structure and how badly we are being ripped off. And the, the crisis about today with the unemployment that is new, and, and I mean, the story is saying the unemployment catastrophe in America is not new. Yes and no. I mean, it, it's it's not new. As in it's, it's been a part of our modern engineered economy for, uh, I don't know, at least a few decades. You know, where would I draw that line historically? I, I don't know. I don't want to try to call it like that. Um, but what's new is that with corona, not only did unemployment shoot up, but so did unemployment claims. And so did the amount of money that government is giving to people in individual benefits. And when I see that, you know, people have been saying the sky is falling, the dollar is about to collapse since, what, 1971 or two, was it, Nixon taking us off the gold standard with the dollar? Uh, I should say taking the dollar, the U.S. dollar off the gold standard. And now... When, when we look at this in terms of an engineered situation, more and more Americans are dependent on government money than ever before. And, and that's what scares me. There is something, and I don't, I don't want to say scares me because it's actually like it's kind of a good thing that we might finally be coming to this, this point of the dollar collapse and, and we can move past it. So, Right now, you look around the world, you look around America, 
You go, who has money? People who the government wants to have money. It's friends and people who are on its uh, privileged list of those who are qualified for unemployment. There are a lot of Americans who were, prior to corona, working under the table off the record because they're good Americans, they're ethical people who don't want to be stolen from and they don't want to be stolen from by people who are going to use that money for evil, like the federal government, as they do with the money they take in income taxes to further oppress uh, and, and destroy lives. And if you were working under the table, you don't have any paperwork to, to support it, or you don't qualify for unemployment benefits. And, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some states you can get around it and you can, you can commit fraud against the government, which is really a kind of defensive fraud. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a problem. And there are a lot of people hurting right now. Uh, and it's, it, it, it we really have come into a, a kind of topsy turvy economic situation that is, for now at least, the new normal as, as we sort of come out of Corona. I do think we are starting to come out of it. But there, there are a lot of people who are suffering, and you need numbers like this. You need honest numbers as opposed to government numbers to really account for the full measure of it. And so right now with everybody in, in the United States um, who, who's suffering, you know, my heart goes out to you. I, I, I can only say I hope that this perspective helps and that this message helps, that by encouraging you to – I don't want to say pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, that kind of thing, but to, to take charge of your own economic situation and to relate to government with a, a proper understanding of what it is, uh, I know that that gives me a lot of hope, and I hope it does for you too, because they want you to be hopeless. And if you don't let them take that, they never can. That's yours. That's your attitude and your choice. Couple quick economic stories we're going to get to, but we got a caller on the line. We'll get to him in just a second here. Uh, Associated Press: Bank of England asks asks banks for on on readiness for negative rates. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to do a quick translation on this story. The Bank of England has asked commercial banks whether they are ready for negative interest rates, signaling that the central bank is moving closer to cutting its key interest rate below zero. If the benchmark rate were cut to less than zero from the, from the current 0.1%, commercial banks would have to pay the Bank of England to hold deposits for them. Policymakers have previously indicated that they were willing to consider negative interest rates amid the economic pressures caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. A negative interest rate would encourage banks to lend money out rather than leave it at the Bank of England. A negative interest rate could theoretically result in savers being charged to hold deposits in their bank accounts but commercial considerations such as the need to attract deposits might prevent banks from passing on all their costs to consumers. So negative interest rate, we're, you know, it's, we're going to charge you to, instead of giving you interest, and this is, this is what this means, just in basic terms, like you give a bank money, you, you give your bank uh, your savings, and they hold it, and because they're holding it, they give you interest on it. They're able to loan it out to other people. They're able to invest it. They're able to use it to make money. So you're, you're essentially loaning it to the bank by letting them hold it for you. And they're able to, to therefore generate value, at least you know, numerically you know, value. Uh, but when it's negative, 
And a central bank flips that on its head. They're saying, no, if you if you leave your money with us, we're, we're just going to we're going to we're not going to add more to it. We're going to take it away. And what this does is encourages a kind of reckless borrowing and spending and loaning and discourages saving. And here's the translation. Bank of England asks banks on readiness for negative rates. Hey, are you ready to turn up how badly we're ripping everybody off? Because look what we can get away with now. Can we do this? Let's do this. Yeah, that's the translation. All right, uh, quick Bitcoin update from news.bitcoin.com. Enormous wall of money coming into Bitcoin. Price to reach $1 million in five years, says Raul Powell. Now, you know, making a five-year prediction uh, about about any kind of currency, I, I, uh, there's only so much certainty you can put behind that because you're predicting both the rise in the value of Bitcoin, I mean value, not enumerated dollar costs, and the devaluing of the U.S. dollar. Both of these are subject to an incredible amount of, of human variation. Um, I think what's but but you when you can put a number on it like this, you know, can you can you 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 have you have to hold a lot of things constant and say, well, in five years we're not going to have a uh, revolution. <laughs> we're not going to have um, you know we're not going to overthrow the federal government. Uh, we're not going to see the Chinese government do something that, you know, ends the, the U.S. petrodollar and, and sends it down its death spiral, uh, or that the dollar will still even be functional in five years. But here it is. Macro strategist Raul Powell says the price of Bitcoin will reach $1 million in five years. He attributes the price increase to adoption by large pools of investors and the enormous wall of money coming into Bitcoin rather than because the world is collapsing. So, you know, really solid, positive indicators, right? And again, $1 million, there could be two ways that that happens because this statement is, you know, two relative currencies uh, that, you know, and that have uh, non-commodity backing, let's just say, because what's what's the dollar backed up by? A gun. Why does the U.S. dollar have value? Because the federal government says you have to use it and pay taxes in it. And there are certain things that you have uh, no other option with. And so I don't want to say it's not backed by anything. Um, it's not backed by anything legitimate or honest. Uh, whereas Bitcoin, by contrast, is backed by the network and the encryption and the functionality of it in an entirely voluntary, peaceful system. But it's not backed by a commodity, right? I mean, you, you, you can kind of, uh, you know, you, you can massage these terms, redefine them. But the encryption, the network, and the functionality of Bitcoin gives it value. These are these are legitimate things. But it's not backed by a consistent commodity, right? You could have a Bitcoin go from the dominant currency to a crypto to Bitcoin Cash to, uh, you know, Monero, hopefully not, to Smart Cash to Dash. Like, you know, practically overnight, if, if one of the networks fails or, you know, is, is hacked or, or there's some, you know, I mean, if, if government, you know, actually successfully cracks down on crypto, obviously that could uh, really alter the market. But here, back to this uh, estimate from Powell, former hedge fund manager Raul Powell shared his view on the economy, gold and Bitcoin last week in a podcast interview with Daniela Cambone of Stansbury Research. Powell previously co-managed 
the GLG Global Macro Fund in London after departing Goldman Sachs, where he co-managed the hedge fund sales business in equities and equity derivatives in Europe. He then founded Global Macro Investor and Real Vision Group, as he said, quote, the economy is not going to recover for a lot longer than we expect. There's no stimulus around, and we've got more problems to come in Europe, the U.S., and elsewhere, and businesses don't have enough cash flow. They're closing in droves, and that's what I call called the insolvency phase. The only answer is more from the central banks. So that's why I started to buy more and more Bitcoin. His portfolio used to be equally distributed between dollars, gold, equities, and Bitcoin. However, he revealed during the podcast that his Bitcoin allocation is probably above 50% now while acknowledging that this BTC allocation exposes him to a 50% downside. He says it's okay for him because the upside is so much bigger. So, I, you know, I'm not going to try to give you, uh, you know, expert uh, financial advice and, and, you know, make things up that uh, make me sound smart because I can read it from other people here. And, and if, you're, if, you, if you're doing well enough that you've got an investment portfolio, uh, taking a look at this, you know, sort of midterm, as in, you know, five-year term investment in Bitcoin, I think it's a very solid investment uh, play right now to be to be looking at Bitcoin uh, or crypto in general, even from that perspective. But more importantly, there's as we've been talking about, like even in talking about unemployment, talking about the unemployment crisis with Corona. There's going to be uh, a, another demand for for Bitcoin coming as people seek ways of, of working off the record. Uh, as more and more people want to work under the table so they can keep getting their government unemployment benefits or, or not be taxed for whatever uh, whatever reason they don't want to be stolen from, you're going to see uh, an, an increased demand for crypto. And I've, I've been kind of, you know, uh, lamenting the lack of vibrancy in the crypto community and, and, and around crypto over the last uh, a year or so, maybe longer, but I, I'm – Maybe this is it. Maybe this will trigger, you know, the enormous wall of money coming into Bitcoin as people find more and more pragmatic uses for it. And if, you, if you're not into it, I highly recommend it. And I would definitely say that uh, Bitcoin.com is a great place to start. All right. CJ says, I can't let you get away without mentioning this. Uh, and it's see, loading here in Telegram with this image slowly, still blurry, just talking as the spinning circle all right um uh, all right cj well i'm waiting for that graphic to come up but i'm going to cover this this next story real quick here uh news.trust.org thomson reuters foundation news facebook's libra must not start until properly regulated g7 draft from brussels financial leaders of the world's seven biggest economies will say on tuesday that they opposed the launch of facebook's Libra stablecoin until it is properly regulated. A draft G7 statement showed. Um, and so this is this is kind of interesting for a couple reasons. If you don't know, Facebook proposed its own cryptocurrency, uh, man, I think a couple years ago, and then abandoned the effort. And because uh, a lot of people jumped on it and were like, "Fuck you! You want to make your own money? Fate of all the things, really, you want to do that too?" But also, there were, you know, why did it happen or not? Because the bankers didn't want it to happen. They don't want uh, – um, and, and this is crazy to think that Mark Zuckerberg, in the age of crypto – I mean, if you own 
or if you're in charge of something like Facebook. And the technology of cryptocurrency exists, you could create your own and challenge the entire financial establishment. And that's what they were looking like they were trying to do with Libra. But um, and and I was I was concerned that they were going to do it because it looked like it was going to happen for a long time. And it sounds like there's at least still momentum behind it. Uh, but my fear was that, you know, this was going to set back. This could accelerate the dollar collapse, but could set back the adoption of honest cryptocurrency for, for quite a while. And it looks like it's it's more of a, a fight in the super class as to whether they're going to allow this to happen. All right, so let's get to uh, this comment, and then and then we'll get to our caller before we get to our COVID block today. Um, so this is a uh, uh, CJ is saying we we um, we have to. I can't get can't let you get away without mentioning this. So one. Bit, so someone on Twitter, at Megura, with some underscores. So one Bitcoin, $500,000 within three years. Uh, and John McAfee says, if not, I will eat my dick on national television. Oh, this is uh, going way back. Yeah, this is just um, from 2017. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to have John back on to talk about crypto, and uh, we'll have some fun with that. But let's get our next caller up uh, on screen here, and then we'll check in with our commenters. With Mercedes. Caller number two. Hey, welcome, comment Jim Freedom. Right, where are you right now? I'm on the 17, barreling towards you as we speak. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to be ending the show on time today, and hopefully we we will have heard from our delivery driver by then, and I'll be running out to get my work clothes on and, and finish leveling this pad. This is exciting. It is. I'm excited. I'll say this, uh, not to not to put rain on the parade, but when they delivered Helen and Peters, they were a little bit. Of, they were like an hour or two after their quoted time. So, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, we'll that's a good thing, Jim. I'm actually encouraged by that. I will have time to stare at my paver stones laid out on the site and go. But we could put it over there. Or yeah. we could put it over Life there. Changes. Or we yeah. could turn it like this. And I'll, I'll get to do that for, like, the, the whole time that we're waiting for them to get here. Uh, but, Jim, you're going to be uh, – you're going to have an office now. You're going to be an office worker. I'm going to have a desk job. <laughs> Can you handle it? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I'm, I'll be one that uh, – you're lucky it's not multiple stories because a desk job will have me jumping out the window. <laughs> well we did have, we will have plenty of windows a lot of good light in this building i did i did change the orientation so it's going to be fun to go over that with you from from the original plan but jim as someone who's been with us all week um do you, do you have like an actual contest entry to submit today is there something that you think i've missed in my analysis or or something underreported here uh, not that I, not that I can think of, no. Good, because then it would be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there you go. I'm good to go. Right, I'm in the clear. <laughs> All right, anything else you want to share, Jim? Before we let Mercedes do your job for you this morning. Oh, is Mercedes? How's how's she been doing with my job? Has she been bringing so up some far. good ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so far, great on the comments. No, Jim, I'm I'm screwing it up, man. You're muted. <laughs> You, oh no! What? No, no, she's not. I That's weird. Hear. You can't. I can hear. What? Oh Jim. really? Oh, Jim. Yeah. Jim. That is weird. 
StreamYard is so weird sometimes. Jim, well, hey, cutting-edge technology. But, hey, let's yeah. Jim, unless you got something else, let's let you go. Drive safe. Hope to see you in just a few minutes here. By Adam, Adam versus the man standards, 36 minutes is just a few minutes. Mercedes, what else do we have for comments here? Any anything, any good entries in what did Adam miss this week? Not really. We talked about Trump being a Florida man. Um, other than that, we had not many guesses. And well, it's not guesses. But facts, but I believe that was with the Bitcoin story, so... Uh, I'm a statist is, what did he say? He's, there's a spammer, hold on. I'm a statist is working right now. Otherwise, he would have called in. He is uh, working with uh, acid, aluminum, and electricity, and said that he can't multitask while doing that. So, other than that, they've been quiet. Well, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna make time. So again, the contest, and and I think Mike is in the lead right now. Even with even though, okay, wait. Let me know how I contribute. Uh, well, you can join us on Patreon, most importantly, uh, and be part of the Producers Club. That's what we're giving away today. And I, I think right now uh, Mike is in the lead with his call. Um, but it, it wasn't technically an entry. But I, I like the idea of doing this every week. What did Adam miss, either in fact or in insight and analysis? Uh, but if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that I don't miss anything ever again. I did Get on Patreon. Sorry? I missed a comment. Oh. This is my first time watching Adam's show on here. Twitter, screw you, YouTube. All right. Yes, thank uh, you. Now, we, so we, do have, we do have two more important blocks we have to get to and a news grab bag today. So, yes. Mercedes, let's, let's jump into our COVID block. But first, real quick, I, well, no, no, stay, stay, up on, stay up on screen here, Mercedes, because okay. I, 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 want to, I want to honor your experience. And, and you've said that you you, you believe, and 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 I, I want to know with with how much certainty you think you've gotten COVID three times. I've had it twice for sure. The intermittent one, I'm not sure because I just was sick, and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. If it's COVID again, I'm just going to stay home. Um, the first time I had it was at the beginning. I was a manager at uh, Gambino's here in town. It had just opened. I um, we had heard about COVID already. We saw how the government was reacting, so we took it upon ourselves to just keep our ears open, you know, bottom unity things. And um, we found out, we had heard that Amazon had had a a case, and it spread quick, and it was in uh, Washington or Oregon, wherever the the big one on the West Coast is, and they shut that down pretty quick, like buried it. And so because of that, we then just – continue to keep our ears open, and the food distributor that we got our trucks from had a couple drivers who came down with it. So because we monitor the supply chains here, being as we have a food distributor here in my town, and it it covers most of the Midwest, and being that minded in my community, uh, I took it upon myself being a candidate to just track everything. Um, I got sick. At the beginning, I got it from a coworker who had a heart problem, has a heart problem. Uh, I have asthma, so he and I are the highest at risk for contracting it because our immune systems are already compromised. And um, they didn't test him for COVID. His heart was being weird. They didn't know what he had. 
Uh, he had all of the symptoms of COVID that I was being told from my friend who's in Sicily in Italy. Um, my symptoms followed what they, the CDC had been reporting, but they said that it wasn't where we were at. It was only on the coast. There's no way it could be in Nebraska. So they weren't even testing. They told us they weren't testing. The CDC told the doctors not to test. There's no way. There's no way. So I had all the symptoms, never broke a hundred degree temperature. Um, <clears throat> When, when was this exactly? Right, February. And okay. March. I think I think I caught it in Lincoln because I had been there for my state conference. But at the same time, I also don't know where I got it because of how long it takes. Right. And, um, but after coworker was coughing on us because he came to sick work, came to work sick because we didn't have any PTO or any safety nets. So you go to work sick when you're in food service even though they tell you not to, because you get fired if you do. Okay, hold, hold on, so Mercedes, I really want to, to, to you'll see where I'm going with this, because I, yeah. I want to get, you know, it's, it, I want to get the story of the, the, the sickness itself. You got this in February. In February, this last flu season was really bad. Flu B was getting around. My wife yeah, had and it. They, and they tested us. They tested me. They did the full panel. It didn't pop anything. The second time I went in, the first time I went in, they refused to test me and just treated me based off symptoms. So they, didn't test you, well, so they didn't test you for COVID, but they tested you for everything else and said, well, we don't know what this is the then? The first time I went in, they didn't test me for anything because they didn't want to get in trouble for testing me. So they just treated me on symptoms, and that it worked. I mean, I did see two different doctors, and I was on nine different medicines and three different inhalers. Plus dexamethasone, because prednisone wasn't working. So uh, the second time I went in, it had been a week or two in between the first time I was sick. I was feeling better. It was fine. And it relapsed on me. And I thought I was going to die. It was worse than the first time. And that's when they tested me. At that how point. Much, how, sorry, how much time elapsed? How much time did you feel you were symptom-free then? A week. A week. Okay. And then it relapsed, and then they tested me, and I obviously tested negative because I was outside of that positive zone, but the COVID symptoms actually relapse on you. after You start feeling better, and then, boom, you get a, a weird illness out of nowhere, and it, it's lingering COVID symptoms. So at that point, it took 11 days to get my tests back. So even if I was positive, it wouldn't have mattered. So the second time I had it, I had all the same symptoms, but less. But it wasn't as bad. But I lost my smell and my taste. And yeah, that's that's a, that's a good solid telltale sign with this. But you know, Mercedes, with all of what's what's frustrating in, in hearing your story is like, well, what about the test? What we don't even know if the tests are accurate. Tests I have how accurate, right? I have and, healthcare and, professionals here. One works in a lab, and her sister is a nurse. Nurse sister is questioning the effectiveness of the lab to her technician sister, technician sister's getting mad because she's questioning it, but you you have to. Like, the rate of false positives that are being reported are astronomical. Okay, so so was there a third bout that you thought was corona also? In, in between the very first one and this last one, I was sick again, like, over this summer. I just haven't left my house because I've been sick all year. So I don't know if it was just lingering symptoms. I don't know if I've been re-exposed. I don't right. know if it was something else. But at this point, I don't trust my healthcare system, which is what right. they want. So, so I think it's. It, I mean, now again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, looking at the my, my sort of overall take on your experience, 
I think given given the loss of taste and smell uh, and, and the symptoms, oh, you want to put a comment up here? Smell and taste is normal, even with the normal flu. And I will say that because I have had colds where I have lost my sense of taste and smell. So it's okay. almost like they're trying to use shock culture, but it's because people aren't taking it seriously because this virus does move fast and it will overwhelm our healthcare systems. And that's what they're trying to prevent. Right now in my state, our healthcare systems are at 99% full. We're at internal reds. If you get into a car accident, you're not going to get treated right away. That's where we're at in my state because we never lock down. The people here don't wear masks and don't care. They just, they don't care. They want herd immunity, so they're going for it. And now so our I think, so it's, so, so what, what, what I want to get at though is this, this latest, because yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, we know that masks generally are going to make things worse anyway. So I'm not, it, it's not, it's, yeah. it's not it's that just, they're not wearing masks. If you don't feel good, you shouldn't be leaving your house anyway. If you have symptoms, stay the fuck yeah. home. Sorry, CJ. Yeah, no, so that's, I mean, that's the basic proper thing to take this seriously is, is as you would a, a bad flu season, not to freak out and treat it as something special. And I, I think what, what I'm, what I'm getting from your story though is that not that you got it and got it got better, but you had a week where you were asymptomatic and and then had a resurgence of symptoms. And if if it was COVID, uh, it, I don't think a doctor would say that you caught it twice. They, they would say the antibodies are only lasting for about three months right now because the virus is mutating so quickly. So you can get it, and then you have three months, two months of you really won't get it again, but because it is a virus, just like the flu, how we have to get a flu shot every year. You could, you could get a different version of it that, exactly. that has mutated, like, right. Like I could go to Omaha and get an Omaha COVID because that population has been isolated. So now because we're isolating populations, the viruses are mutating in different ways. That's yeah. why so many different strains. Well, the only so it, part is it's lessening as it mutates. Yeah. Now, and, and, and what, what pisses me off about all of this is that is that there is a there is a real but minor threat here with the relatively minor threat here with the virus and we are we are so miserably failing in living up to our potential to understand it it's just it's, so much misinformation right now that people just I don't know what you're yeah, saying and it's it's deliberate it's deliberate this is not by accident so Mercedes, I think you sharing the story that way sets up our, our Corona block perfectly here because this, like with, with the virus, we've seen so much fear mongering. And like you said before, the symptoms thing, and I'm glad you pointed out because I didn't know this, that losing smell and taste is, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know that much about the flu because I, I'm, uh, my policy is to stay healthy. You know, my policy about the flu is don't fucking get it. You know, like, as a military man, didn't you get loaded up with all sorts of fun vaccinations <laughs> by the government? Yeah, that, that's going to make you more sick. Uh, My uh, friends don't get sick. Yeah, but I did. Yes, I did get the full Marine Corps battery of. But yeah, there's a day when, when I when I went to boot camp back in 2000. There, the way they did it, there's a day you go to medical as a platoon, and you go through a line. It's a gauntlet. And it's a gauntlet. And you pull up both sleeves and you walk and you take a step and they go boom, boom. And you take another step, boom, boom. And another step, boom, boom. And you take three or four or five steps like that. You get some, you know, 
shot in each roll, and then at the end of the line, you pull your pants down, you get a shot in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that, so anyway, this this thing about you could get it again, as in, what what they're trying to say with this propaganda. I, I think what they're trying to trick the average American into believing is that immunity to viruses is not a thing when it comes to COVID. And that's fucking bullshit. And it's really dangerous in the misinformation. Because what they're trying to do, I mean, even with your experience, you know, even with a virus that mutates, it gets into the human petri dish. It just becomes like the flu. And it's important to note, that while I'm acknowledging this point that Mercedes is making, right, that this virus mutates and you can get it again, that it, viruses get less harmful over time. That's the natural course of mutation. Doing and, that actively. It is so, happening. So the, the idea of herd immunity could be the right one at a certain point if we get a version of the virus that's that's not deadly but highly contagious and we just go well get it out with everybody and then you know but the thing is we don't know we don't fucking know because the the science is being kept from us or we are kept from doing science but this 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 is the fear-mongering and they're boiling it down to a very simple headline of you can get it again but the underlying the underlying mythology here that they're, they're trying to plant the seed in americans brains and it's very dishonest and dangerous is that immunity doesn't apply when it comes to COVID. It's just out there. You get it. You get better. You get it again and again and again. So let's get into these headlines, see if we can get through this block, check back in, see if we got any any other callers or comments. Again, what did Adam miss this week or what insight is he missing? I'm sure this conversation is going to promote some of that. So the first story I've got in this block is from NBCnews.com. This is today's Headline, Chris Christie says he was in ICU for seven days battling COVID-19, urges Americans to wear masks. And again, masks as a policy is counter-scientific. It, is, it, is, it makes you more likely to get the virus. We see this not just from uh, the study uh, that, that we knew from uh, looking at flu transmission in, in controlled groups where you had one without masks and one with. Yes, those who wore masks for extended periods were more likely to get the virus. But even now, among people who wear masks all the time, uh, for, from people who were exposed to the virus, uh, 70% have gotten the virus as opposed to 3% for people who never wear masks. Yeah, it's not decisive science by itself. But again, when all signs of the science that we have point to the policy and the authority being bullshit, you got you got to start looking into things and going. Yeah, we we really do have to stand up and challenge this. And and Christie now seems to have been bullied on board the Corona fear train along with Trump, as he says, "quote As a former public official, I believe we have not treated Americans as adults who understand truth, sacrifice, and responsibility. So, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna so we're gonna do more for them. Uh, yeah, and this is uh. Christie was one of the, this, the reason this is in the news, Christie was in uh, intensive care for seven days. He was one of a number of people with ties to the White House who tested positive for coronavirus around the same time as President Trump. Um, as he said, quote, I believe that when I entered the White House grounds that I had entered a safe zone due to the testing that I and many others underwent every day. I was wrong. I was wrong to not wear a mask. 
at the Amy Coney Barrett announcement, and I was wrong not to wear a mask at my multiple debate prep sessions with the president and the rest of the team. And, and this is scary that people are being like Trump bullied or, or, or bought off or convinced one way or another. Hey, instead of standing for the truth, instead of standing for freedom, you're going to profit more personally from buying into this lie, feeding into the coronaphobia. And there's so much behind this. And of course, if Trump had drained the swamp, we'd have a lot less to worry about. But people, uh, might also be coerced. And, you know, in, in a sense, we are, uh, subject to the coercion of the fraud that, that we are sub, excuse me, subjected to with censorship for, for talking about this. But don't worry, we'll get to our censorship block. Uh, next from Reuters, COVID science. That's the headline. Yeah, this is science. COVID science, COVID-19 antibodies last at least three months. So do symptoms for many. So this is uh, from a few days ago. The following is a roundup of some of the latest scientific studies on the novel coronavirus and efforts to find treatments and vaccines for COVID-19, the illness caused by the virus. Um, People infected with COVID-19 develop antibodies targeting the new coronavirus that lasts for at least three months. According to two reports published on Thursday in Science Immunology, the two studies together involving nearly 750 patients both point to immunoglobulin, immunoglobulin antibodies, which start showing up well after infection begins as the longest lasting. Researchers found that IgG antibodies with two targets, blah, blah, blah. But see, this is not, you know, all right. That's not how antibodies work in the sense that, you know, when you, there's, there's an imprint that's with you permanently. So, you know, how they're, uh, you, you know, putting the, like, again, um, to say that the antibodies last for at least three months, um, well, at least three months could mean a lot more than three months. Um, but when they put this out, you know, and, and I, I, maybe if someone else, I, I mean, I'm going to wait until I see the, the, the proper scientific analysis uh, that, that cuts through this propaganda. If I wanted to spend all weekend going through these studies and, and picking apart whether they're asking the wrong question here, whether they're misrepresenting here, you know, we could do that. Um, but... I, you're going to see. You're going to see this. You're going to see the decisive science at some point. There's going to be uh, a decisive refutation of, if not the science that's being presented here, the way that it's being presented to the American public, which is this virus is like a new virus, like no other, like no threat that we've ever experienced, and your immune system is is worthless now. Um, another headline here: Remdesivir cut COVID-19 recovery time by five days. Coronavirus rarely travels from mother to newborn. And you go, well, okay. It's that, there's just so much being uh, misrepresented here. The next one from MSN.com, COVID struck Nevada man twice and the second time was worse. Now, you can't, like, just from our experience with Mercedes, or just our conversation, did the virus, like, go away and come back? We know in her case, from her exposure, that it was most likely the same virus resurging. She just had a week that was asymptomatic. And, and, the, and, and, you know, when you're talking about something complicated like this, it's very easy for the mainstream media 
to, to twist the language slightly without lying, but still grossly misrepresent reality. So second time was worse. COVID struck a Nevada man twice, and the second time was worse. Well, I mean, it hits me every morning when I wake up. I got, you know, if I got, if I had a bad flu and every morning I woke up with a, a resurgence in some other symptoms, I could say, man, this flu struck me 10 times in 10 days. I, you know, and that's, and the, the, well, the third and the fifth time, those were the worst ones. This is not being presented as science or real understanding. This is being presented as fear mongering. The next one from metro.co.uk. Yeah, it gets worse. You ready? This is what I've been seeing this week because there were so many other fear-mongering headlines about corona itself. Like, remember we covered the one a few weeks ago, like it could make your balls explode. Again, slight exaggeration in my language there. But, yes, there was a story that – because there was one patient. There was one patient who had some experience with testicular swelling, they put a mainstream media headline out, Corona may cause testicles, whatever, you know. Not, hey, there's this one freak case, and, you know, we're just keeping an eye on it, but be afraid, because so many people just read the headlines. So this one from Metro is, COVID patient becomes first in world to die after being reinfected. Yeah. All right, usatoday.com had this headline on the 12th. Coronavirus updates first American to get COVID twice, 13 states set case records. Joe Biden tests negative again. Yeah, a little political slant there, you think? But again, first American to get COVID twice? There's no way, first of all, if this, is, if this, is, if this were even a real phenomenon, you couldn't say this as a headline with, with integrity because of our pathetic failure of getting tests out and just understanding the spread of the virus and who has it and who doesn't. I mean, we're going to look at some point, you got to look back on uh, on this point in history where you saw me get the test, right? I got it in the mail, finger prick, you know, I put it on a test strip, the little saline solution, and I have the results Almost instantly. I mean, it's 45 minutes start to finish. You go, okay, cool. Why were we doing drive-through test sites where you get swabbed in the nose and then had to wait two weeks? Like, what the fuck was that? All right, so get these comments back up here, Mercedes. I'll, I'll read some comments here. Uh, Mr. Status COVID for natural male enhancement. Okay, Pastor Vink, I, I got COVID and I came five all right, all right, all right. Uh, Pastor Vink, again, the only time I want to hear the words super spreader are for a proctologist award. <laughs> Get those cheeks spread. Yeah, you're a super spreader. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just been so many lies. Really. Speaking of super spreading, you recall perhaps uh, Sturgis, the great bike rally this year. And I love that we were able to play you that uh, – Smash Mouth parrying its own lyrics. Yeah, I'm going to sing. Brace yourself. Somebody once told me he ain't the sharpest tool in the... I'll stop. I'll stop. It gets better, but yeah, if you want to look it up, Smash Mouth at Sturgis, and everyone's like, oh, well, Sturgis. Oh, wait, wait, there's one line I got to share from from the lyrics that's just great about this. Um, Hey, now, 
we're in Sturgis, we're all wearing no masks. Hey, now, we're all bikers, and we're sharing one flask. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> and was it a super spreader event? Well, the media tried to get us to believe that for a while because there was this one guy. All right, all right. Wall Street Journal has uh, this story, though. This is very important. Again, why are we censored right now? Why are we banned on YouTube? Because I challenged the World Health Organization's conclusions. And we got an email from YouTube saying this specifically. Well, let's see if we can not do this. All right, well, this one's not loading for me, so screw Wall Street Journal. Um, little positive news here, though, to, uh, to, to wrap up our COVID block. Long-term care residents in Greeley protest COVID-19 restrictions in Greeley, Colorado, residents at nursing and rehabilitation facility in uh, Greeley organized a protest against Colorado's coronavirus restrictions on Thursday. About 20 residents gathered outside Fair Acres Manor, many in wheelchairs holding signs that read, rather die from COVID than loneliness and prisoners in our own home and give us freedom. Wow. Wow. This better be a part of the story. Remember, you know, like I've been saying this week, when you take an extreme truth and present it as a moderate one, that is enough of a lie for the government to get away with what it gets away with. And the victors write the history, but eventually the truth comes out. And it really is up to us to make sure that the truth is told about the story of COVID. And I, I mean, I almost wish, you know, I could, I could do this show for four or five hours every day because my heart goes out and I can't imagine, you know, how many more stories we could tell of, of elderly Americans saying right now they would rather die from COVID than loneliness. And, and it sounds hyperbolic if you're not paying attention. Oh, they're lonely. They don't like it. They're, no. People aren't literally dying from loneliness. But clearly, more people are dying as a result of the government interventions than from the virus itself. People are dying from the isolation, forced isolation. And... It's nice to think that people are kind of coming out of it now, but this forced isolation means depression, anxiety, suicide, lack of access to medical care, to support groups, to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, you know, all of those things. And that old people are coming out now protesting from Fair Acres manner in Greeley, Colorado, saying they'd rather die from COVID than loneliness. I, for one, will not let this part of the story be forgotten. Another headline quick from NPR, tobacco plants contribute key ingredients for COVID-19 vaccine. Historically, tobacco plants are responsible for their share of illness and death. Now they may help control 
the COVID-19 pandemic. Two biotech companies are using the tobacco plant Nicotiana Benthamiana as a as biofactories to produce a key protein from the coronavirus that can be used in a vaccine. Yeah, just so I, you know, I I'm encouraged. I, I think at some point innovation is going to render this corona racket irrelevant. Sorry, I got one more corona headline here. Um, from USA Today, like we're going into quarantine, Americans plan to stockpile food this fall over fears of COVID-19 surge election unrest. Uh, so, again, you know, just another sort of positive silver lining for, uh, you know, a, a positive whiplash effect from this. All right. So, you know what? I'm, I'm going to save the uh, I'm, I'm going to have to I'm going to table the uh, the censorship block. But I want everybody to know that we're covering this. Facebook and Twitter restricts controversial New York Post story on Joe Biden. There's a lot of backstory I, I think deserves to be explained in covering this, and I want to connect it to some of the bigger related stories. Wall Street Journal, Senate to subpoena Twitter CEO over blocking of disputed Biden article articles. Excuse me. And then YouTube bans misinformation about COVID vaccinations. Yeah, definitely going to have to talk about our experience with that. Um, and then German-style censorship catches up, uh, catch, catches on around the world. Definitely going to be covering that. Uh, Baron, I mean, there's so many stories about censorship. Government, governments use pandemic to crack down on online dissent watchdogs. So let's get to a couple of grab bag stories here. See if we can get through the rest of our pile, and uh, and then we're going we're to check in with the audience. See if we have anybody who wants to call in. We're going to award a winner for today's contest. And uh, check back in with Mercedes in the comments and do the good news to wrap things up today. So from WTOP.com, number of divorce cases in D.C. area surge amid coronavirus pandemic. <sighs> Just another measurement of the cure being worse than the disease. The coronavirus pandemic has created the perfect storm for couples contemplating divorce in the D.C. area. Making a marriage work is challenging enough when things are going well, but when you add COVID-19 into the mix, it becomes much harder for many couples. It was too much. Uh, as divorce attorney Michelle Thomas said, it brought a lot of issues that may have been swept under the rug to the surface. Being locked in the house together will do that. The that Anyway, so yeah, just a uh, yeah, quick sad note. Uh, all right, so positive science news. Blue Origin launches and lands a new Shepard rocket on its seventh trip to space. This is from TheVerge.com. Original story with this update. Uh, new Shepard successfully took off at 9.36 a.m. Eastern time, climbing to a height of about 66 miles up. Both the rocket and crew capsule returned safely to Earth following the flight. And this is from, uh, from the 13th this morning. Jeff Bezos' space company Blue Origin is set to conduct another test launch of its new Shepard rocket, a reusable vehicle. Designed to take paying tourists to the edge of space and back, just like New Shepard test flights of the past. No people will be on board this trip, but the rocket will be carrying a dozen research payloads to space for NASA. Yeah. Yeah. For NASA. And this is what it sounds like. And that's what it looks like. For those of you watching uh, the full video of today's show, thank you very much, CJ. Clear the tower. Check out that shot from our drone on her way to space. Lunar landing tech on board. Payloads inside. 
You can see at the top right of your screen there, New Shepard's gaining speed. That BE3 engine is really doing its work. What a clean burn. First All right, beautiful. Thank you, CJ. So fun science. We had a couple more fun science, but first, um, someone put this in the Telegram group, so I got to say this is just kind of a fun, quick story from PenLive.com, Patriot News. Man brought AR-15 rifle, rifle magazines with 90 rounds to Disney World Hotel to protect family. No arrests were made because no crimes were committed. Uh, South Florida man brought an AR-15 and 9mm handgun with him on his Disney World vacation because he was worried about his family's safety during the social justice protests in Central Florida last month. According to the Orange County Sheriff's Office, why is this a news story? Um, let's see. The weapons were found because the bellman handling the bag wondered why it was so heavy. He reported it to his manager, who then contacted the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office questioned the man who told him he brought the rifle with them with him for their safety because of the riots and civil unrest going down south and in the central Florida area. The sheriff's office checked his concealed weapon permit and then gave the man back his firearms. No arrests were made because no laws were broken, the sheriff's office said Tuesday when reached for comment. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, couple couple conclusions or you know left takeaways from the story. One is that if, you know taking responsibility with firearms for you and your family's safety does incur the extra cost sometimes of this inconvenience. But uh, also, this was a time when things went well, right? Uh, someone saw something suspicious, reported it, it was checked out, and everything was fine. It doesn't always have to end in conflict, arrest, or dogs getting shot. Our next story: popular mechanics that ever so trustworthy source on 9-11 pancake theory uh, has this headline. Another mysterious jetpack man spotted flying 6,000 feet over LAX. Cool photo on this one. The flyer here appears to have an apparatus like a platform that uh, he or she is standing on. Airline crew members spotted a person in a jetpack jet flying at an altitude of 6,000 feet high near LAX on Wednesday, second such jetpack sighting near LAX in six weeks. FBI currently investigating both cases. Makes me wonder if, like, this is what they're trying to suppress. Like, we're all about to be able to fly. Yeah. You know, with, like, the, um, you know, Shepard rocket and the COVID, you know, vaccines and, and, and treatments, I, I, I'm, I, th- I'm so optimistic. You know, we, we are going to innovate our way out of this. It's not, oh, yeah, we got the science. No, it's, we got the innovation, applied science, and we are rendering the whole government racket obsolete. I don't know why someone sent me this story. It was it really just funny, although tragic, weird story from foxnews.com. Yeah, Fox News bringing you weirdness and tragedy. How unusual. Delta Airlines passenger claims she woke up to pastor urinating on her. The man reportedly had a bad reaction to a sleep aid. Now, apparently, he had his junk out and was peeing on her in the middle of a flight. Now, I don't know, is he, is he in some kind of, you know, weird dream state because of this medication? But, yeah, apparently uh, he was detained uh, was able to use, because there was an off-duty police officer on the plane to restrain the man. Um, From Las Vegas, pretty much everyone on board was... No, 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 don't play this one, CJ. This is just a dumb side story. We're going to wrap things up here. we got to get to the good news. But i got to say, uh, the, the one thing that, that's kind of being underreported in this story as a matter of humanity is uh, how traumatized uh, the victim was with 
some lingering anxiety from the incident. Um, as she said, quote, I left work yesterday because I couldn't stay, but I had to tell them why I needed to leave. It was a lot. I mean, my anxiety was really high. Literally, since then, I have only gotten four hours of sleep. Yeah, waking up next to a penis in the open, urinating you on an airplane. Uh, yeah, that's that's traumatizing. That's you know, I can be able to shake that image very easily. Um, I think CJ shared this next one with us from CNN.com. 14th person charged in alleged plot to kidnap Michigan governor. Uh, 14th person has been charged. Brian Higgins, 51, of Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, has been charged with material support of an act of terrorism for his alleged participation in a plan of domestic terrorism that included storming the Michigan Capitol building and harming government officials. Yeah, so uh, we're going to stay on top of this one. I don't know, this isn't the smoking gun story, but, yes, thank you for sharing us with that, CJ, uh, because there is more pro undercover agent bullshit to be teased out of that story, and uh, we'll be staying on top of that. As it winds its way through the legal system, unless everybody just pleads out right away, you're going to see some more interesting revelations. Someone also shared this story. Uh, Ex-Mexico Army chief arrested in L.A. on drugs, money charges. We're going to have to come back to that one. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, an, an update in Thailand, although we are definitely going to be coming back to this, uh, that there were uh, two pro- Thai protesters arrested for threatening violence towards the queen. Let's see, this one's not loading for me right now, so we'll skip it. Britney Spears, I don't know if you if you uh, following the long Britney Spears drama, as I think Mercedes is, I think she's the one who shared this in the Producers Club. Britney Spears scores victory in conservatorship, uh, allowed to hire lawyer. Um, so, yeah, Britney Spears, if you don't know her backstory, um, even if you don't know anything about her music or career like me, it is it is interesting to see how the current legal slash financial system handled a minor going through uh, superstardom and, um, and a series of mental health breakdowns. So that link will be in the notes. Final good news. Researchers discover fossils of new species in Arizona. Petrified National Forest Park, or excuse me, Petrified Forest National Park, Arizona. Researchers have discovered fossils of a tiny burrowing reptile among a vast expanse of petrified wood in eastern Arizona. The new species has been been named Skybalonyx scaptor, a part of a group of known as drapanosaurs, from the Triassic period about 220 million years ago. Petrified Forest National Park outside Holbrook is considered one of the premier places to study plants and animals from that period, sometimes known as the dawning age of dinosaurs. Lots more cool stuff to that story. We'll see it in the notes today if you want to get into it. With that being said, we are just about at time. Let's get Mercedes back up on stage here, check in with our comments. Hello, Mercedes. Hello. So, last chance, last chance. What did I miss this week? So, um, uh, my neighbor was found, was just, Kate Nicole just posted this. My neighbor was just found guilty of six charges, it's long, for selling a quarter of a weed to a confidential informant that repeatedly asked over and over again until he was finally sold to how is that the legal system works over three and a half grams of pot. 
Local news is all you missed, it looks like. There it goes. Thank you, CJ. I appreciate you immensely. Yeah. Yeah. So, scrolling back up, there was spam comments, and uh, I have haters now. That was in the well, share, give me some hater comments. Oh, yeah. Like, like, the best. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because I really wanted to anyway. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, gosh, CJ, do you know where they are? I know you found them first. You can paraphrase. Um, I'm the least favorite part of their show, of the show. Uh, or she's the least favorite part. <laughs> I want to put it up. Where is it? Thank you. Thank you, Kate, Nicole. I agree. So why don't you call in and become a member of the Producers Club by telling us news so that I don't have to be up here when Jim isn't here. And, and then know. you, Kate, you can be my least favorite part of the show. <laughs> you went there. But they were agreeing. They said that I was a, I'm not even pretty, which I agree with. I agree with. I agree with that. So I like the haters. And you know why? I like your booze because I've seen what makes you cheer. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so, so Mercedes, can we can we give this one to Mike today? I think uh, we can. I think we can. I I enjoy Mike a lot. Mike from Long Island, congratulations. Welcome to the producers club. Um I hope CJ, if if we don't have your if you're not still with us, uh send an email to me, Adam at the or connect with CJ or Jim at the and Mike will get you plugged into the producers club, and it's going to be uh, it's it's an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for the call today and all the great comments. Let's wrap things up with the good news, and we are we are almost on time today. Look at this from GoodNewsNetwork.org. Good news in history: October 16. It was 25 years ago today. The Million Man March convened in Washington D.C., inviting a million sober, disciplined, committed, dedicated, inspired Black men to Washington. For a day of atonement. More good news on this date. On eight on this day in 1854, Oscar Wilde, the Irish playwright, poet, and novelist, best known for the importance of being earnest in the picture of Dorian Gray, was born. On this day in 1916, the nurse Margaret Sanger, believing that women themselves needed to determine when to bear children, opened the first U.S. birth control clinic. On this day in 1940, Benjamin Davis Sr. was named the first African-American general in the U.S. Army. That's the first thing I'm going to say was not. That's not really good news. No. Um, yes, racial equality is good or, or equality of opportunity, non-discrimination, blah, 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 blah. Yes, uh, but, but it's like if we got a woman president, women should not be proud that there's a woman president. They should be ashamed. Uh, that, that a woman finally successfully stooped so low as to become possibly the most evil person in the world, right? And uh, in that sense, uh, I think as an, it, I almost said as an African-American. Um, African-Americans should not be proud that they are able to overcome oppression to become oppressors themselves or generals in the U.S. Army. It was on this day in 1984, and Anglican Bishop Desmond Tutu won the Nobel Peace Prize for his decades of nonviolent struggle for racial equality in South Africa and against apartheid. And on this day in 1998, David Trimble and John Hume were awarded uh, the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering the Northern Ireland Peace Accord. And on this day in 1923, the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio was founded by Roy and Walt Disney. Its name was soon changed to the Walt Disney Studio. 
or the Missouri animator who five years later came up with the idea of a mouse character that would become the Mickey Mouse cartoon, the company's signature mascot and one of the world's most recognizable characters. And that's our week. That's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Don't forget to go to CigarFederation.com. Promo code ADAM10, all caps, gets you 10% off your order. And tonight, join us right here. Well, actually, be Periscope, Telegram, no, Periscope uh, by Twitter, twitter.com slash Adam Kokesh. Find us there tonight. Get your JSK nugs. I will be smoking a CBD-infused cigar with, uh, hopefully here, uh, we'll have Peter Yapel, and, uh, you know, we'll get to announce that later today when we confirm all the details. And go to AdamVersusTheMan.com, join the uh, Producers Club, and get some merch, support the show. And with all that being said, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.